Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And so now the United States has a new president, the 45th president of the United States. There he is, Donald J projects that Joe Biden is the winner in South Carolina. This- My fellow Americans tonight, I profoundly accept this nomination. So it's a great honor and humility. I accept this nomination. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. That was the worst debate I have ever seen. In fact, it wasn't even a debate. It was a the long road to 270 electoral votes. After months of prognosticating with little over a week to go until the election, there remains a final key question. What is each candidate's path to victory? Hello, everyone. I'm CNN political director David Chalian. And I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. Welcome to Politically Sound. So you've probably seen either on your TV or the internet the all-important electoral map. Some states red, some states are blue, and some states just completely up for grabs. Heading into this final week, the candidates' strategies seem pretty locked in. But how those strategies will play out on election night remains to be seen. In this episode, we're going to walk you through each candidate's path to victory. The state's President Trump and former Vice President Biden can afford to lose or simply must win to secure the presidency. Right now, the president's road to re-election looks pretty darn narrow. 290 electoral votes now, either solid or leading, Biden's way. Only 163 for President Trump. So he needs to engineer a huge comeback. Look at but to be fair, it also looked that way four years ago. We have Hillary Clinton at 307 electoral votes. Donald Trump at just 179. But 2020 is a different year and a different race. So we'll walk you through what's changed since 2016 and why some Democrats are worried despite what the polls have to say. And as we saw in 2016, there are always bumps along the road to 270 electoral votes. So today, we'll also hear from CNN reporter Doni O'Sullivan, who will explain what election interference and misinformation look like in 2020 and how they're impacting the race. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. Okay, Nia, I hope you are ready to dork out with me on the electoral map. I am obsessed with this stuff. Let's start with (laughs) Joe Biden, who is unquestionably the front runner here at the moment. What do you see as his easiest path, the path of least resistance to victory a week from Tuesday? You know, David, I have to admit that I have played with that electoral map on my phone lots and lots of times over this last couple of weeks. And his easiest path is rebuilding the blue wall that crumbled in 2016, regaining Pennsylvania, regaining Michigan, regaining Wisconsin. And at least so far in the polls right now, 
it looks like he's going to be able to do that. He's doing much better than Clinton uh, did with key sets of voters, doing a little better than Clinton with white working class voters, a lot better than Clinton did uh, with senior voters as well. So that seems to be the easiest path for him, not a heavy lift. But listen, every time I talk about 2020 and sort of put on my prognosticating hat, you always have to think about 2016 because I literally feel like this is the exact conversation uh, we were having (laughs) back then, you know? Oh, the blue wall, the blue wall is there, it'll never crumble. And of course, we all remember sitting there on election night uh, watching that blue wall come down brick by brick. So that's the the scenario. We talk about those Sunbelt states too, Georgia, Arizona, you know, maybe you can put Texas in there. It looks like it's a much closer race uh, than before Florida, obviously, as well. But I think the good news for Joe Biden is that he's competitive in all of those states I I just talked about. So he's got, I think, uh, an easy path with those Rust Belt states, uh, but then gravy, really, with some of these states like Arizona. But again, it's still early, even though we only have about two weeks left. So I say all that with the caveat of remember 2016. And listen, every Democrat I talk to certainly has PTSD and are essentially saying the same thing. They're cautious optimistic and scared to death. I think that's totally fair. Your point about the fact that Biden is competitive in the Sun Belt, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona. I mean, yes, I know the polls are tied in Texas. I call him skeptical (laughs) about Texas. But the fact that he is competitive there is what makes the map so much more difficult for Donald Trump to defend. Because if that wasn't the case, if those were already locked up, Donald Trump could have been spending these last two months only concerned about Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania and recreating that sort of inside straight that he pulled four years ago. But he can't. That's why we have seen him and his running mate, Mike Pence, and his daughter, Ivanka, they've been in places like Ohio, where Trump actually has a little bit of an edge in Ohio, but they're there to shore that up and and ensure it stays in his column. Never mind North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, which they have to still uh, tend to, where they thought those were going to be in the bank already by this point in in the original plan that the Trump campaign had for its re-election. That was their game plan going in, and it hasn't been. It has been a very large defensive map for them. And now, I I just want to point out for folks, as we remember, Hillary Clinton's loss was extraordinarily narrow, right? I mean, she lost those three states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, by like a percentage point or less. I mean, it, it was so tiny of a margin in those states that tipped the balance of the Electoral College. And here's the good news for Joe Biden. His actual strengths demographically as a candidate fit that region really darn well. I mean, it's it, his whole Scranton persona isn't by accident. That has been the secret sauce of Joe Biden. Now, this race is not over. I just want to remind everyone, we're having this conversation, Nia, right now, and uh, it is the four-year anniversary of when Jim Comey inserted himself at the end of the election, opened an investigation to Hillary Clinton. That was 11 days out, that Friday, a week and a half before Election Day. And the race changed. So this race uh, can still change on us, but the reality is Joe Biden doesn't even need all three of those states. I look at this all the time. If he just wins Pennsylvania and Michigan— and then flips the electoral votes, individual electoral votes available from the 2nd Congressional District in Nebraska and the 2nd Congressional District in Maine, which is totally within the realm of possibility, that's it. He's at 270. 
So, Nia, that's my take on on Biden's path. Obviously, we need to look at President Trump's path, too, here, which, as we know, it's a narrow one. But what is it? What is President Trump's path back to re-election? He's got a tall order this go-round. You know, if you look at this map, even if he wins Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio— And Iowa, he's still not quite there. He's got to figure out, can he win Pennsylvania? That's why you've seen him spend so much time there. He's got to rebuild this coalition. He's doing terribly among seniors. He's doing terribly among college-educated whites. Uh, We'll see if he's able to turn that around. But he is playing defense all across the board. And I think one of the big differences for the incumbent president, very different from candidate Donald Trump, is he doesn't really have a message. There isn't anything that's the equivalent of build the wall. All of these promises that were both economic and cultural and really connected and resonated uh, with those base of of voters that he had in 2016. And even if you look at the Supreme Court, it's like that was a big rallying cry for candidate Trump as well. But in many ways, you know, they've got the Supreme Court at this point and judges all across uh, the judiciary as well. So this is a tall order for this president. We'll see if he takes some cues from candidate Trump in 2016, which was to get a bit more disciplined down the stretch, kind of retreat a bit more, because a lot of the issues that particularly seniors don't like, his handling of COVID uh, and his character as well, when he's out there, all of that is magnified and just doesn't help him at all with these very, very important demographics. You know, one thing we talk about all the time with Trump's path, and the campaign says just outrightly that the strategy is to sort of mine these places deeper for those white non-college educated men, right? The Trump-minded folks that didn't show up before and find them and, t- and turn them out. But I wonder what you think, despite Donald Trump's total base strategy, you've seen him make plays for African-American and Latino votes or at least try and depress what Joe Biden can put together with those base Democratic constituencies. Are you seeing any potential success for Trump in those areas? Well, you see some of that, particularly in Florida with Latino voters. He is, Donald Trump, overperforming where Hillary Clinton was among Latino voters and African-American voters. Yeah, there's there's this sort of whole conversation going on, particularly about uh, black male voters. But here and there, particularly uh, in a state like Florida, which has a pretty large African-American population, you can pick off some African-American men uh, who are concerned about criminal justice, concerned about the economy. And maybe it helps that somebody like uh, 50 Cent is out there saying that he likes Donald Trump's tax plan uh, better than he likes uh, Joe Biden's tax plan, you know. But there there you have it. Florida, everybody going to be watching that state on election night. You know, we could actually have a result from Florida on election night because they're going to be quick in, in terms of counting uh, ballots. But that's a state, a lot of seniors, a lot of Hispanics. Trump doing better among Hispanics, but Trump at this point is losing seniors to Joe Biden, a real reversal of fortune for a Republican president. It's one of the most dramatic turnarounds that we've seen demographically throughout this entire race. And obviously, coronavirus, one would imagine, plays a big role in that. Up next, we know the 2016 election was filled with foreign interference and disinformation, And it certainly hasn't gone away in 2020. But how has it changed? Stay with us. Here at Politically Sound, we're working hard to bring you the context you need to understand each week in politics. And we want to know what you think 
Go to cnn.com slash podsurvey to share your thoughts on what you're hearing. That's cnn.com slash podsurvey. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. That road to 270 electoral votes that we were just talking about, well, it always has a few bumps. And in 2016, Russia's election interference was one of the biggest. CNN's Doni O'Sullivan joins us now to explain how foreign interference and domestic election misinformation and the efforts to combat them have changed in the last four years. Doni, so glad to have you here with us. First, I have to ask you about the big news this week. The director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, made a surprise announcement about foreign election interference. What can you tell us about that? Nia, you know, the intelligence community has been warning all of us for the past few months, actually the past few years now, about how foreign countries are going to try to interfere in this election. And this super last minute news conference just now a few days before Election Day, I think really crystallizes uh, that the threat is real, that countries like Russia and China and Iran are messing around, whether it's on social media, whether it's with disinformation, whether it's trying to maybe even hack into voting systems. And can you talk a little more about how Iran was actually using something else, a group that's been in the news recently, as part of their disinformation? The Proud Boys, which you might remember President Trump uh, sort of basically embraced at the first presidential debate. Earlier this week, we saw emails being sent to voters in Florida and Alaska threatening them saying, we know you're a Democrat, and if you do not vote for Trump, we're going to come get you. And some of these emails were very personalized. They included voters' home addresses. We saw these messages. They purported to come from the Proud Boys. But once we started digging into them, we saw that there was something a little fishy going on. Whoever was actually behind these messages was doing a lot of work in the background and the technical side of it, trying to hide who they were, to mask where the messages actually came from. And the Proud Boys denied that they were responsible for this. But within 24 hours, this was really a remarkable turnaround time. Within 24 hours, the intelligence community came out and said, actually, those messages, they were not from the Proud Boys. 
they were from groups in Iran who were trying to meddle in this election. Director Radcliffe said that these messages were trying to damage Trump in some way. I know a lot of people had questions about, you know, how would a message telling people that they would be hurt if they don't vote for Trump could actually hurt Trump. But I guess, you know, one thing that's what's very important here is that were the media, were Democrats to have seen these emails earlier this week and say, hey, this really is the Proud Boys, that would have, I guess, highlighted Trump's embrace of the Proud Boys. It could have damaged him in that way. Uh, but we didn't fall for it. We were skeptical of it. We looked into it and we saw something was amiss here. So I think, you know, there's a lesson in this from what we have learned from 2016. After the 2016 election, we learned from the Mueller investigation. Good evening. The Mueller report is out. The good news. Congressional hearings. Russia's interference in our elections in 2016. And from the U.S. intelligence community, how Russia used social media to try to interfere in the election. Because the U.S. intelligence community concluded it was Russia that attacked the U.S. and the president. Some of that Soviet-style skulldudgery from overseas, it's still happening right now in these final days of the 2020 campaign. But there's one thing we know for certain this time. There's a ton of misinformation on social media. Some of it is coming from Moscow, but most of it is coming from inside the US. And a lot of it is coming from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Much like in the classic movie, When a Stranger Calls, the call, as it were, is coming from inside the house. Over the past few weeks, we've seen the Trump campaign, we've seen White House officials, even President Trump himself sharing doctored or misleadingly edited videos online in a way to try and undermine Joe Biden. One was even cut in a way to make it look like Biden had fallen asleep during a live TV interview, proof, of course, to support Trump's cries of Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe, and he is a sleepy guy. Their chosen candidate, Sleepy Joe Biden. Is there anybody that's going to vote for Sleepy Joe in this crowd? Please raise Except, of course, that interview never happened. The whole video was fake. President Trump's campaign, you know, they like to tell us a lot that it's all just a joke and reporters, we need to get a better sense of humor. But not everybody is in on this supposed joke, including some of Trump's own supporters. When they say... Well, this is fact-checked. It's wrong because it's taken out of context. Like when Joe Biden fell asleep during a live interview on television. <laughs> Claimed that he fell asleep. I think that was an edited one, right? That was... I didn't think it was. It looked pretty live to me with no cuts in it. And these videos can sometimes be seen by millions of people on Facebook and Twitter before the companies do anything about them. Sometimes the companies don't even do anything at all. Like a few weeks ago, when President Trump retweeted an account that falsely, with no basis in fact whatsoever, claimed that Joe Biden was a pedophile. Incredibly, when I asked Twitter, they told me that a smear like this in the final weeks of the election, not actually against its rules. So the tweet stayed up. They did nothing about it. But this retweet was important because it was a signal of something much bigger. It was a nod to the pretty bonkers conspiracy theory QAnon, a new type of disinformation that's born out of Hillary Clinton conspiracies that allege top Democrats and Hollywood elites are all part of a pedophile ring. So how did we get here? 
this time four years ago, my job covering misinformation at CNN, having an assigned reporter to this piece, it didn't exist. You know, we learned after the 2016 election, misinformation was going viral across platforms like Facebook and the media, social media companies and the U.S. intelligence community all missed it. Now, some of that misinformation was pushed by Russia with fake pages posing as American voters. Some of it was pushed by guys in America running fake news websites that had eye-catching headlines, all with the intent of making a quick buck from Google ads. The more crazy the headline, the more people that would click on it, the more money they'll make through Google. And we've come a long way since then. I mean, especially if you consider what Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook, said right after the 2016 election. The idea that you know, fake news on Facebook influenced the, the election in any way, I think, is a, a pretty crazy idea. This time, the media, social media platforms, and the U.S. intelligence community, the FBI and other agencies, everybody's a bit more prepared. We are now watching out actively for misinformation. And the FBI has warned that Russia is using social media right now to target the Biden campaign with disinformation. Here's what FBI Director Christopher Wray said. We certainly have seen very active, very active uh, efforts by the Russians to influence our election in 2020 to primarily to denigrate Vice President Biden. And just this week, the director of national intelligence said that fake emails that were being sent from Iran were designed to hurt President Trump's re-election chances. Although some people are pretty skeptical of that assessment. We have already seen Iran sending spoofed emails designed to intimidate voters, incite social unrest, and damage President Trump. In September, after getting a tip from the FBI, Facebook shut down a bunch of pages that were tied to a website called Peace Data. Peace Data was pretending to be an independent left-wing news source. I was completely unwittingly doing it. I had no idea that they were linked to the Kremlin or anything. You know, obviously, if I had known, wouldn't have done that. That's Jack Delaney, who I met right after Facebook announced this shutdown of peace data. Jack's a freelance writer who lost his day job due to the pandemic. And earlier in the summer, he got an email from an editor supposedly working for Peace Data, this left-wing news website. And Jack started writing for them. I wrote for a foreign government and I had no idea. At a glance, it looked legitimate. I'm obviously no fan of Putin or the Russian government. Um, so it's, it, it was concerning. Obviously, I, I, you know, I don't want to have any association with uh, an authoritarian regime. Peace data wasn't what it said it was. It was actually being run by some of the same people who were tied to the infamous Russian troll group in St. Petersburg that ran fake accounts and interfered in the 2016 election. Now, the fact we know about Jack Delaney, the fact that Jack Delaney knows that he was being used in this way, it's actually a really good thing. You know, in 2016, a lot of this was happening and the FBI and the social media platforms just hadn't figured it out. And whatever they had figured out, very little of it was shared with voters before the election. But here's what's really worrying to me. I've spent the past few months traveling the country, talking to people, mostly Trump supporters or Trump sympathizers, about what they see on their social media feeds. And what really strikes me is just how much misinformation there is online. 
But how that might impact people's votes, that's not an easy thing to measure. I mean, many of us, I know I do, scroll through my Facebook and Instagram feed pretty mindlessly. The science behind what the messages we see over and over do to our subconsciousness and to our brains, it's still all being figured out by scientists. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, they've all taken some steps to try crack down on misinformation on their platforms. Misinformation not coming from Russia or from abroad, but misinformation coming from inside America itself, including from the president himself. But just like how these companies were behind the curve when it came to foreign influence in 2016, they might be a bit too late for this one as well. Our thanks to Dhoni for explaining all of that to us. And so, David, can you put all the pieces together for our listeners just a little over a week from Election Day? Well, listening to Dhoni reminds me of what the polling can't capture, right? I say this all the time to people when they're like, oh, but the polls and how do you trust the polls? And polls are just one element uh, to give us a sense of where things are. There are unknown things. The ability for interference efforts to be successful, the ability for uh, suppression efforts to be successful. These are the elements that I think in the closing days of an election, it is impossible to weight them, you know, as a potential factor because it's, it's sort of the known unknowns or certainly the known potential of what could impact an election. And um, I just think it's almost impossible to assess how to calculate that into the electoral landscape. I think you're exactly right. And the Democrats I've been talking to over these last days, you know, you sort of ask them, what are they thinking? How are they feeling about where Joe Biden stands? Now, some of them will sort of privately say maybe there'll be a blowout, but they are also nervous about the known unknowns, the unknown unknowns. Because if you flash back to 2016, there were many things that were going on, Russian interference, all sorts of things going on Facebook. So these are the kind of things I think that are keeping Democrats up at night, even as we talk about Biden's path to victory being much easier than Donald Trump's path to victory. In terms of voters, voters have to be very vigilant in terms of misinformation and educating themselves about some of of the misinformation that is out there, quite frankly, being out there and part of the conversation because of this president. And obviously, uh, there's some other bad actors uh, as well as Dhoni talked about. So, you know, we can talk about the map, we can talk about the past, but there are all of these things that aren't known and will maybe reveal themselves in these next couple of days as we wind our way to election day, even as people are voting by the millions already. Oh my God, truly by the millions upon millions. I mean, as we're recording this podcast on Thursday afternoon, I will just say that it's roughly a third, perhaps, of the potential electorate that has already cast its ballot in this election. That's like where we are right now in this election, potentially. We obviously won't know until we see what the total turnout is, but there is clear, clear commitment from Americans to be casting their ballots earlier than they have before. So there are many more turns in this race to be had in terms of each of these campaigns accomplishing their strategic goals. That's right, David. So we'll just have to see what happens on election night, which could 
likely end up being election week, maybe election weeks. We'll just have to see. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks for listening. And if you could take a few minutes to give us an excellent rating and an excellent review, we'd very much appreciate that. And please subscribe if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Mimi Mutesa. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo is the team's production assistant. And a special thanks to Abby Sharp for her help on this week's episode. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We'll see y'all next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.